Hey, Maggie, how are you? Not too bad, Rory, yourself? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. So um, for anybody who's been listening from the start, I'm now back. And unfortunately, now Ken has left us and it's myself and you who will be taking over the podcast. Yeah, let's go. Let's absolutely do it. I know we've been working for about a week now, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's been good to see how you work. It's been good to you to take a very more, uh, much more of a sort of portfolio management, high level analysis kind of stuff. You bring that to, to the table. So, you know, I think you're a real value add, obviously, to any members of the community that are on the more advanced side of things. Definitely feel as though, you know, you'll you'll whet their appetite for sure. So, yeah, excited. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. So, it's some um, some big things have been happening, obviously, so far in the markets this week. Just today, while we're recording, we've seen JP Morgan and Citibank uh, yeah. coming out in earnings. I think we'll get back to that maybe towards the end of the podcast. But I think, um, you know, I think it's always good to do a podcast when we put a message into the app and ask, you know, uh, people in the app what they want to hear. I think that's always a good start. And somebody wanted us to talk a bit about, you know, the Chinese yuan and uh, paying in, obviously paying for oil yeah. in Chinese yuan. So. That's obviously something that's you know a lot of people think is quite new. Um, I know that them rumors have been going around for nearly six years now, believe it or not. Um, yeah. Until I've done a bit of research, that's been going around for six years, which is quite a long time. So yeah, what... no, it's it's super interesting topic, and as you said, it's nothing new. I feel as though this narrative always seems to pop up on the back of uh, U.S. Saudi U.S. Uh, Middle East relations when they go a bit sour. Mm-hmm. I mean we've you know kind of seen um you know joe biden's sort of relation with uh, saudi and the middle east it's, it's not it's not brilliant it's not great it's no. not great and i feel as though you know that this narrative has surfaced again as, as you said well you know this has been you know is it, the, the the prospect of a petro yuan if you will has has been around for for a minute it was, you know it was about this time last year as well when you know the same narrative popped up can we see petrodollar be toppled? Can we see the yuan yeah. take place? Can we will Saudi accept yuan as the you know one of the main currencies for uh, you know shipments of oil? And you know again doing my homework on the topic and kind of what I've seen from you know some of the more prominent media outlets uh, out there, mm-hmm. it's just it's more rumor than anything. It's yeah. more rumour than anything. And again, I'll go back to, you know, this is all geopolitical, isn't it? It's just, you know, it's political tensions. It's sure. tit for tat. It's, that, that's how I see it anyway. Yeah, I I mean, I, I'm along the exact same lines as you. I know that a couple of media outlets and particularly, um, you know, one of the rulers in Saudi and Dubai also came out and they made the statement that um, petrodollar is here to stay. Um, yeah, quite, yeah. quite a long time. So, I mean, if if it's coming from the horse's mouth, that it's here to stay. I think, you know, coming from a perspective of Saudi Arabia, I mean, if your biggest uh, exporter is China and China being the biggest importer of oil in the world, you know, if you're having that relationship, you know, it's like any sort of supply chain management. You have to be good to your number one customer. You know, you have to do some things their way. You have to give them a bit of, a bit of length. It's a good point. And I think that's really all that Saudi's doing. I don't think Saudi have complete intentions of you know turning over um petrodollar and looking to bring in this petro yuan as you say i think they're mm. just trying to give them a bit of rope and say look we'll we'll try and keep you happy but i mean one of the major things for me that you know i was thinking about is that all gcc countries all the currencies are actually pegged to the dollar so yeah. you so you imagine they were receiving you know hundreds of billions a month of inflows 
coming mm-hmm. in yuan you know what's that going to do to their currency in, ter- in terms of it being pegged to the dollar are they going to then have to try and depeg to the dollar and then the 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 rate risk that comes off the back of that i mean that would no, be- yeah you're, you're bang on with that rory and you know kind of sorry to cut you off there but like you know you, you kind of you kind of triggered a thought, thought process with myself there as well the yuan you know chinese chinese yuan remember whatever you know those currencies are the most manipulated currencies in, in the world. Yeah. You know, it, look, love China, hate China. That's, you know, the, the simplicity of it. Let's also bear in mind that China outside of the US are the biggest holder of US treasuries in, yeah. in the world. Um, you know, it's if you are Saudi Arabia, are you going to happily, you know, uh, sign documents, enter into trade agreements with countries that manipulate uh, their currency uh, so openly yeah. you know who does that benefit more well you know you have to kind of lean towards china if they were to a- able to facilitate all trade of barrels uh, in yuan well then who's going to be the beneficiary it's going to be china yeah you know i wouldn't be surprised if you you know you, you would yeah. though wouldn't you you would see manipulation within the currency markets in order to take you know uh, maximum uh um, mm-hmm. sort of inflow of oil so you have to bear that in mind as well yeah. and uh, i mean but... it's it's not even their currency market too that gets manipulated you know it's other yeah other things i mean i think I, there was a chinese person i was talking to one time and they told me that there's provinces in china there's states and then there's the governments yeah. and if the province performs well the state actually gives them so much more money towards infrastructure and then if the state performs well, then obviously that comes down from the government. So everybody's in this race to perform well, as you like. So everybody's going to try and manipulate the numbers. You know, all the factories are going to say, yes, we had full attendance last month. It wasn't one person mm. off, off sick. You know, things like that really do happen. So I, I just can't see things like this really moving towards sort of Chinese politics and that really taking over, yeah. the, over the world. I completely agree. And and as you said, love, love, love China, hate China. It, you know, you have to draw the truth somewhere, and it's absolutely, know, that's and that's, that's 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 a, an easier task than that you know to 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 mention than to actually you know accomplish. Like you know, yeah. we've we've seen twenty twenty three, um, you know, start off with you know the reopen of China. That was the hot topic mm-hmm. within you know uh, the month of January. Uh, I personally did some analysis of China and you know my it was as simple as day in the sense that 2022 was very very uh volatile for China you know possibly you know uh more on the downside than the upside with regards to volatility you know we saw uh Evergrande you know and yeah. uh you know default on loans you know the housing market in China then stumbling as a result of that and ultimately, what did that mean for China? Well, they're placed as number one superpower in terms of uh, economic prowess amongst yeah. you know global players. Toppled, US is back uh, back in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. So you know, I feel as though it's been very much a case of Chinese narrative staying. You know, I I basically said, look, China has to do everything in its power to claw back that number one spot, and they will, and yeah. that. That will be supported from the top down, as you said. You were talking government, and you were talking states, and and you know that definitely trickles down. There's a pecking order there, and you know they simply had to reopen. We saw figures there recently. Growth is back. Uh, not I can't remember where they uh, beat uh, GDP forecast, but they're pretty much in line, if I remember correctly. But you know it's um 
It's open at 800 a day, yeah. isn't it? It's I think Chinese growth is just yeah. under 3% or something, year yeah. over year growth, something like that. 2.83%. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah, you're bang on. So in terms of, you know, this narrative with uh, Petro Yuan, well, yeah. you know, there's also, you know, narratives been released as well about, you know, a uh, de-dollarization, if you will, yeah. amongst, yeah. you know, BRIC nations. You know, it's, we've kind of, there's been rumours with regards to, you know, China being, you know, large holders of uh, US T-bills. Mm-hmm. They're slowly releasing them into the market, reducing their holdings and, you know, in US govies. But it, it it's hard to, to ignore China firstly, but obviously yeah. it's even harder, as you said, to draw the lines with regards to figures that are, you know, uh, inflated a little bit to the upside to give a positive reflection of what's truly going on. Yeah. But I, I feel as though, you know, coming back to the question, ultimately short term, mm-hmm. are we going to see a toppling of the dollar? I don't think so. Not not within the next two, three, five years. I, decade, I, decade, decade, I would even normal. say longer. Still can't see it. I still can't yeah. see it. Yeah, I mean, one of the big things for me is that, you know, one of the big red flags in China that a lot of economists seem to talk about, but especially Chinese media and other media don't really publish is population. You know, we, we, mm. we see, we've seen it in Japan and, and now we're starting to see it in China. China were able to inflate these numbers, the data that was coming out because they had the workforce yeah. behind them, the cheap labor and yeah. things like that. Yeah. If China then are going to start to, uh, you know, um, manipulate the currency a lot more and have a lot lower of a population, well, what's that going to do? A lot of these factories are going to start to become obsolete and once the factories start coming obsolete, the prices are going to start to increase. Is it then yeah. going to be attractive to start purchasing from China again? Could you then start to see a, a further inflation? I mean, I, well, I personally, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I personally it's just don't see point, China yeah. China growing much more from here. I mean, they need to do something. They need to do something quick. And the problem is, is that the only thing in the world you can't do quick is is make people. You know, if there's yeah. if there's a 10-year gap, there's physically nothing you can do without going to another country and taking people from it. And... Another thing is, that, and it's quite controversial, that people think it's real, people don't think it's real, but I've been told by you know Chinese residents that it is real, that if you have investments in China and money in China, you can't get that money out. It's it's literally wow. impossible. Is but, that for, are you talking about uh, foreign investors investing in China and their ability <laughs> to liquidate and, and take that out? Pr- pretty much everything. If you, have a, a Chinese, wow. if you have a Chinese bank account and you want to, say, move to the UK or move to the US and you want to take everything mm-hmm. out, apparently you're hit with huge sanctions. It could be, you know, 80, 90% tax, taxable. Wow. Like so, and wow. trying to even liquidate positions if you have large portfolios there too, trying to liquidate those mightn't be as easy. So, I mean, when you have an economy like that, that's shrinking in terms of population. You have an economy and a financial market system that isn't really as liquid and as stable as perhaps the Western world. Is it really something that you see the collapse of a dollar and Chinese you, you know, yuan being the currency of the world and this digital currency that they're talking about? You know, Talking from a realistic standpoint and not just a Western standpoint, do you think that this is the way forward in life? Of, of course not. You know, there's been there's been many narratives you know, around the world from, you know, the early 70s when we've seen, um, obviously, seen, when we've seen the gold, um, obviously, the, the dollar being depegged from the gold back in the 70s, you know, there was huge escalation around that. And there was a lot of people thinking, well, this is the end. And I mean, look where we are now, you know, 50 years later, we're, we're still yeah. here talking about the dollar. Yeah, you so, know, listen, you're, you're absolutely right. I feel as though, you know, 
if there is any significant move in, you know, currency of flash reserve, I don't think we're going to see it anytime soon. Yeah. Um, and the simplicity of it is that, you know, yeah, Yuan, Petra Yuan, is that going to happen? I don't think so. But I feel as though, you know, peel back the layers here. I feel as though this is almost a very surface level um, discussion that we're having in terms yeah. of, you know, the bigger question at play here. You know, I feel as though, I think we are so caught up in headlines that we kind of have to peel back and sort of understand there's a bigger play here. I've kind of been concerned with China uh, as of recent with uh, growing tensions with uh, uh, Taiwan. Yeah, that's what um, I was just going to say there. How's that going to, you know, can you invest as a foreign investor? Can you come into a country who's sitting on the median yeah. line with nine or 10 warships, you know, it, does yeah. that does that draw stability? If, of course not. You know, if I had money in China now, I'd, I'd want it out. If China declare war in the morning, you know, uh, Taiwan stocks will be down 50, 60%. Chinese equities will probably be down too because you'll start to see sanctions in China from the Western world. Of I, course. So is, is that something you want to invest in? Is that something that Saudi want to get involved in? Of course not, no, but the, course China, not. They're, China are their biggest customer, so obviously they have to give them something. China yeah. are their biggest customers. And, you know, at, touching on what you said, you know, with the possibility of war there with Taiwan, um, there's a lot of parallels between China and Russia at the minute. Yeah. Um, we know in terms of uh, buddies out there, you know, Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin, they are definitely uh, close mates, it seems. Yeah. And, you know, let's not forget the narrative you know, uh, that was more prominent and it's still prominent. I feel as though it's only um, faded to, um, you know, the background as of recent is, you know, when uh, Russia were hit with sanctions, when Russian oil was, uh, you know, considered dirty and nobody wanted to touch it. Well, who was there to buy uh, just below market price China? Yeah, I, I am not under any impression that if China are able to sign, you know, somewhat of a discount deal with Russia, that they are still not taking advantage of that. Yeah. You know, yeah. so of course, yes, we have to be considerate of, you know, the headlines with regards to uh, China and Saudi, but let's not cod ourselves, you know, in the background. We still know, you know, that relationship between China and Russia is healthy, if not probably healthier than ever yeah. with regards yeah. to political tensions that they both find themselves in with, you know, neighboring countries. But I am under no illusion that, you know, oil and supply of oil from Russia to China is in no short supply. Yeah, I, I agree. And then you also have Chinese supply there that comes from the state. You know, they have obviously huge fields out there, plenty of oil reserves. So I think mm -hmm. that's another thing they're not going to be too worried about. And as Absolutely. well as well as the other thorn that sort of sticks there around that um, east coast of the, of the mainland is obviously North Korea and Japan at the moment. You're starting to see tension build there as well so i'm not sure how true it is obviously it's very hard to get you know proper due diligence done on that yeah so, you know there was an emergency alert went out to residents in japan about um obviously about a nuclear weapon being fired over japan so you're seeing different things like that and if that war then kicked out you have to remember then who's going to start to step in and you know who steps in off the back of that is yeah the, I, yeah the tensions are red hot yeah is the east unstable i wouldn't say unstable i would just say politically unstable i think there's you know, probably more news headlines flying about than anything, but I just don't think it's the place that you would want to particularly coming from, again, the Saudi Arabia standpoint, it's not particularly a place where you'd want to place all your assets in. No, no. You know, I feel as though, you know, when you do see political turmoil, again, 
yeah. you flock to typically, you know, safe havens, you will see people coming back to the US, back to the UK. Yeah. You won't see people participating much in emerging markets. Um, you know, however, that's just you know, my opinion. But, you know, on the flip side, contrarians out there would argue in these kind of climates, in, you know, times of war, times of political tensions, where you see resources coming under pressure, whether it's uh, supply side, primarily supply side, you know, countries that are in that sphere, you know, your EMs that source these raw materials probably see, you know, great spikes in you know commodity prices that they can then you know benefit from yeah. however in terms of volatility you know access to those funds as you said with regards to china that's a whole nother ball game that's a yeah. whole nother ball game as you said would, would i want to be investing in china at the minute probably not yeah uh, will i be looking to put a few quiz uh their way anytime soon probably not yeah um but you know as these political tensions arise these things become you know matters of the day questions of the hour so it's an interesting one and you know if tensions keep popping up over you know the east mm -hmm. well it will be interesting to see what the reaction of the west is yeah exactly and you know even looking at the actions of the west as well you know i think uh, without getting too political into it for everybody i think looking at what the biden administration is currently doing about these sort of you know tensions in the east i don't think they're really taking you know the sort of action you would have seen that the trump administration would have took you know he would have agreed with a more, he would have took it with a more hands-on approach. He would have said, "Don't do that. This will be. This is the consequences. You do that." It seems like you, you know the Democrats are are just taking a back foot, letting what happens happens. You know, and and I think that's probably hurting America more than what it could you know really help them. If I'm if I'm honest, so I think I agree with you. I agree. If you, if you see the Democrats getting another term, obviously next year, could that be further weakness into the U.S. economy? It, you know, perhaps it could be. You know, however, if we do see the Republicans coming back in, you know, it just depends on what state sort of the world's going to be in at that stage. So, yeah, and yeah, I, 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 think, I, I don't know, want to be the yeah. person saying that vote Democrats and it'll save, you know, it's going to save America. <laughs> but I'm just saying that I think there's probably more of an upside to that than there is, you know, with the de with the Democrats at the minute. I think you were bang on there. You know, America yeah. are in a very unique position being, uh, you know, obviously the political superpower of the world, economic superpower of the world, but, you know, Beyond that, you know, they're the universal police yeah. uh, as far yeah. as anyone's concerned. So in terms of taking a proactive approach uh, versus a hands-off approach, well, you know, you reap, um, you know, the benefits and the drawbacks of both. If you're hands-on, well, then, you know, the narrative is, oh, America, typical, uh, they're involved in every pocket of every act uh, country's activity for self-gain. But on, you know, worry uh, as you alluded to, if they go with a hands-off approach, well, then how far will you see the likes of Vladimir Putin push Just poke, you know, poke, 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 every, you know. And how far go. how far will it go until the whole thing just goes bust? Exactly. Y you know? So I think that's pretty much it for this week. Mike, uh, you know, we did see JP Morgan come out, as I said, they've beat earnings, Citibank's beat earnings. Um, just at the start of earnings season now, what's your thought going forward for the next couple of weeks? Do you think it's going to be a positive one? Do you think it's going to be negative? I think JP Morgan is, you know, a, a very interesting name within the banking sector, as you know, Rory, with, you know, the main man, Jamie Dimon, being the only veteran left yeah. uh, post uh, GFC 2007-2008. 
And mm-hmm. um, I expect Big JP Morgan to do well. Their whole business model is structured off of that central fortress balance sheet. So I'm not surprised there. You know, I feel as though they are the stand. They are, you know, they they will do well no matter what, in my eyes, at least anyway. Yeah. I'm very Great. sort of, I'm very much looking towards, you know, um, uh, City, Barclays, uh, Goldman. I think uh, Goldman's next week, right? Yeah. So I would definitely, you know, those considered to be your more risk on investment banks. Mm-hmm. And let's see how they perform. They're very interested to see because obviously, you know, with, you know, instability and volatility within the banking sector as of recent, that's exactly. been the only thing that's kind of uh, detracted from, you know, the Fed, BOE, ECB from continuing their uh, rate hike cycle. Um, without question. You know, the narrative last year was inflation is no enemy number one, yep. by all means and any means. And it's only as of recent that that's come into question when we've seen the likes of SVB and a few other banks out there get caught on the wrong sides of uh, interest rate hikes with regards to their holdings in fixed income products. Yeah. Um, so, so, yes, great to see you both um, uh, well, uh, sorry, uh, JP Morgan. And was it Wells that come out already yeah wells have came out i haven't checked them yet but citibank have sure. also came out they were 219 versus 170 eps and revenue was 21.4 versus 20.1 so quite a strong beat as well pretty solid so yeah. you know it, it's it's going to be interesting to see um i feel as though if anything this will be beneficial for you know risk appetite i feel as though and you know you, you know yourself or you, you're you're an equities guy mm-hmm. um you know i feel as though you'll see influx into the S&P I feel as though you know that sentiment will come back into the market something that's been long missing as of recent and you know I've, I've alluded to it uh, myself in uh, a few bits of analysis that I've done you know we've kind of seen um, not just volatility in markets what we've seen yeah. is volatility within sentiment you know mm-hmm. from week one it's risk off and then it's back into equities and then it's yeah. oh no 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 we're back into gold so I think this will help paint a positive picture for, you know, your more typically risk on markets. So I feel as though everyone's going to be paying most attention to the banks in the, you know, over the course of the next week or so. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Yeah. Perfect. I think also another thing that, you know, it's just on my radar too, is that we've seen in the last week there that, you know, oil uh, WTI was obviously down at the lows of 64 and it's now moved all the way, you know, back up to nearly $80, you know, yeah. It spent most of the month of March really around that between 70 and 64 level. And yeah. that was that was reflected quite accurately in the inflation print that came out there last week. You know, we've seen inflation in the US now drop back down to 5%. And the expected was 5.2. But the thing we're still seeing is that, you know, the core inflation is still being quite sticky. Now, the one thing, you know, the narrative that I sort of have is that, well, what if inflation oil now continues at $80 and even works its way back up to $90. You know, how's that going to work then for headline inflation? Or are we then going to start mm. to see headline inflation being sticky and even trying to push higher core inflation also being sticky? If CPI is two and a half times, you know, the Fed's target, you know, can you really pause rates and can you really, um, yeah. can you really yeah. start thinking about cutting? And then what's Great that going points. to do for risk on? Great points of concern. And if I'm, you know, being completely honest, it's been, you know, very hard to make a call on it. Yeah. One side of me thinks weak dollar doesn't add to that narrative. 
weak dollar, what does that mean for people? Um, you know, well, it, commodities means back up, uh, yeah. you know, the sim- simplicity, simplicity of it. Um, and, you know, when you see, you know, the demand uh, drive up the underlying uh, value of commodities, what does that mean for your supply chain? Well, it means, you know, costs have to be pushed across somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, typically within that supply chain, within the manufacturing chain, it's the uh, retail consumer that are, you know, ultimately the losers in that. Um, you know, so I don't think we are out of, you know, the the inflation battle as of yet. And, you know, you, you, you quite rightly alluded to headline figures being, you know, somewhat rosy. But I feel as though people need to be paying more attention to the impact that inflation has within the real economy. Yeah. I feel as though that's where, you know, it, it's felt the most. I feel as though people may start paying more attention to employment, payroll figures moving forward. Um, but ultimately, you know, the US are in a very, very uh, unique situation in comparison to the rest of the world because, you know, inflation is nearing interest rate uh, yeah. levels, you know, around that sort of five mark. UK has a ways to go, an absolute ways to yeah. go. So does the euro. So does the euro of the UK most prominently. So in terms of where do we go from here, I feel as though my sort of guess is I think inflation is uh, sticky. I agree with you. I think we're probably going to remain somewhat elevated for longer. Um, I feel as though the Fed will, will go another 25 in May, I believe the next meeting is. Yeah. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I, feel, I personally feel as though cuts by the end of 2023 is too early. I know that's you know the popular narrative on the street now, but I have to somewhat disagree with that. Yeah, I'm, I I would be the same just to draw everything to a close. I think that what the market's doing right now is pricing in a cut, you know, towards yeah. the end of the year. Uh, you know, it happened at the start of this year whenever the cut wasn't being priced in anymore. We then start to see the market drop back down. We've seen the S&P back down to 3,800. So I think mm-hmm. whenever we get to the end of summer again, August, September, October, uh, if inflation's still sticky, we're not going to see the cut. You're going to then see the S&P probably drop another 5%. You know, I think you're bang on. I think you're bang yeah. on. I think that's a great call. You know, so I think, yeah, that's pretty much my view. It's good to see that we're on the same path and, you know, things are always good. Life, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mike, thanks very much for joining. Uh, good first podcast. So hopefully plenty more good ones to come. Nice and Rory. So, appreciate you. Nice. See you next week, mate. Thanks, bud. All the best. Bye-bye.